were giving a prize, and we don't do that here, uh, the person that came the farthest, our brother in the Philippines, would have to win the prize. And it's great having him in our number, as well as all the rest of you, wherever you may be from or however far you have uh, traveled to get here. We are glad to have you in our worship service this morning and hope that you are edified and uplifted by the time that we spend together. I don't, you know, you, you come on Sunday mornings and I, I don't know about you, but you have different moods. And for some reason, although I'm, you see the lesson I'm preaching, if you looked at your sermon notes, I feel in a particularly positive, upbeat mood today. Um, just great being here with everybody. Um, I feel better. I've kind of been fighting a little virus the past couple of weeks, so maybe that's a part of it. Uh, we've had a great Bible study together. Uh, enjoyed the singing that Richard's led us in. And by the way, Richard, thanks for leading that song that fits in with our lesson this morning. But I kind of think added to that is last night. We had the host of the Young People's Devotion last night, and some of them are sitting up here and are scattered around our church. We had a great time. I, someone asked me how it went. I said, well, I guess the proof is ask the kids how it went. Like, don't let the Willowbrook schedule it again. It was awful. I don't know. I hope they didn't say that. But we had a great time, young people. We enjoyed having you over. And just to be together and see your zeal for the Lord and your interest and talk about spiritual things and singing together, uh, it lifted us. And my wife remarked after all of you left, said, boy, that was like being in Tampa again. We used to have all the college students over. and We had devos all the time. And so it was just a great fun. And, you know, if, if you have never signed up for that, do that. You probably will get more out of it than they do. Uh, it really lifted us. And it was just our pleasure to have the young people in our home. They're a credit to you parents who are doing a wonderful job here. And uh, we certainly appreciate them and love them a lot. And it could be just a time of year. I, I kind of like this time of year. Uh, it's a festive time of year. In our neighborhood, there's people putting up lights like crazy and having all kinds of displays. And it's a very festive time of year, very joyous time of year. And it may surprise some of you to know that at the holiday season is actually a time that triggers depression for an awful lot of people. In fact, I was reading an article this week in Psychology Today that talked about why people get depressed at Christmas. Some of it, it said, it has to do with the winter weather in colder states. In fact, there's actually a term for this called seasonal affective disorder, or SAD for short. And I really, uh, I was reading about this one time we lived in Kansas City, and I think every winter we were in Kansas City, I was sad. Uh, because it did get bitter, bitter cold there with lots and lots of snow. So I think that's probably a real thing. For some, it's the commercialization of Christmas that don't like that sort of thing. Uh, others, it's unrealistic expectations or family issues. But there's all kinds of things that maybe cause certain people. For some people, it would be getting together family and it would be an empty chair. Because last year, that person was with us. And they're no longer here. And that, that's a sad and depressing thing. But, you know, emotional issues is not anything new. Depression is not anything new. It's not, a, it's not a modern phenomenon. It's something that we read about in the Bible. We've been reading the Psalms the past several weeks. Have you noticed how many Psalms deal with emotional issues and deal with maybe some aspect of even depression? In Psalm 42 and verse 11, David said, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? 
And there are many psalms that speak to that kind of, of emotion, that kind of feeling, uh, that kind of almost a depression. He answers that and says, though, hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him and the help of my countenance and my God. I want to talk this morning about how to beat the blues. I think my sermon choice this morning is influenced, one, by the fact that it is kind of a time that I know maybe some people are dealing with that issue. But I think I've also influenced by the reading through the Psalms and just being reminded again how many Psalms deal with this particular issue. And so while my lesson this morning is not exclusively from the Psalms, we are going to be noticing a number of different places. After I picked this title, How to Beat the Blues, I thought just for the fun of it, I would Google it to see what was there. I just typed in how to beat the blues. And it came up about a million hits in half a second. And so I scrolled down through it, and there was a Reader's Digest article with that exact title, 10 Ways to Beat the Blues. So I thought to myself, I may get some supplemental material for my sermon out of this article. So I clicked it. And you know what the number one suggestion was? Now, there was nine others. There were not, the other nine were better. But the number one suggestion instead of how to beat the blues? Floss your teeth. I, I'm, I'm not making that up. I couldn't believe it. Floss your teeth? I, it didn't make any sense to me. Well, and I read the other nine. Some of them were, most all the other nine were better. But I, I promise you, I got some really good suggestions this morning. And they're all from the Bible. About how to beat the blues. I got four. The first one is to claim the promises of God. You need to claim the promises of God. Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 writes as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who's called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Peter says that we've been given exceedingly great and precious promises. Notice the modifiers, not just promises, not just precious promises, not just great precious promises, but exceedingly great and precious promises. Now, if we were to go around the room this morning and say, well, name some of the promises of God, I imagine we would get certain reactions like, well, Jesus coming to earth, his death on the cross, forgiveness of sins, hope of heaven, maybe prayer. And those all are promises of God, aren't they? And there are a lot of promises of God. But I want to talk about some that really relate to this issue that maybe we don't stop and think about. And when we think about Christians that are wallowing in the sloth of despondency, that how many times do we fail to claim the promises of God? Or we're not aware of the promises of God that have to do with this issue. That we fail to maybe appropriate them to our needs. We need to find some promises of God that are relevant to some of the needs that we face when it comes to emotional issues. To read them, to write them down, to memorize them, and to claim them. The promises of God are powerful. They have potential and they are un failing in second corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 paul put it this way for all the promises of god in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of god to us 
Isn't that kind of an interesting way for Paul to put that? The promises of God in Him, that's in, in Jesus, they're yes, they're affirmative, they're unfailing, they're true, and you can say amen to them. They're amen. Now, the word amen is just simply a word that means so be it. It is an affirmation of something that is true, that is a fact that you're in agreement with. Sometimes after our prayers, well, the one leading it always says amen. Once in a while, you actually hear someone amen. I remember back in the olden days that people would amen a lot of times a prayer. And I, that's a good thing. If you agree with it, if what was prayed is scriptural and it's your prayer, you can say amen, so be it, I agree. Well, when we talk about the promises of God and we read about them this morning, you know what we can say to those promises? Amen. That's right. They're true. They are in the affirmative. I believe them and claim them. So when we think about beating the blues, what are some of the promises of God in this area? Well, He promises assurance in the times of stress. Anybody got any stress? Don't raise your hand. <clears throat> Probably be easier to ask anybody not have stress. Maybe that's one of the reasons why people get down in the dumps in the holiday season. There's a lot of stress sometimes associated with that. But there's stress the other times here. There's, there's financial stress and there's relationship stress and, and there's temptation that causes stress. There's just a lot of things in life that cause stress. But what does Jesus say? He told the apostles, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. Now let me hasten to add, I, I do recognize that this is a specific promise that Jesus was given the apostles just prior to Him going to the cross. But does anybody think that the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, is not able to provide peace for you and I today? And as we deal with our own problems, you know, the text of this in John 14 indicates the apostles begin to realize what was happening, and they were saddened. He begins the chapter by saying, let not your heart be troubled or to be afraid. And so they, they were troubled. They were perplexed. They were feeling all of this. He said, don't worry about this. Don't be, don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't be stressed out. I will provide peace for you. That's a promise. And we can say amen to that. Well, we have the assurance of the Lord's love for us, regardless of what happens. And you know, that is an issue today that sometimes people let us down. And there are times that people have affirmed their love to us, and then they don't show that love, or they, they renege on that in some way, and turn against us. And that, that's hurtful. That is stressful. That is troubling. But when it comes to the Lord's love, it's always going to be, it is unfailing. In Romans 8 and verse 28, he said, We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those that are called according to His purpose. And as he begins this section and dealing with the relationship we have in Him because of the justification of faith and redemption that we have in Jesus Christ, we can know that is so. And then we come down and I put 31 here. What should we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? But really, I was thinking of 35, because 35 said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, I don't know what's going on in your life, whatever challenges you face or problems you're dealing with, or if you're at some kind of an emotional low in your life, 
And maybe someone's hurt you. You know, sometimes we have situations where our own brethren hurt us. And that, that, that is a tough thing to deal with, isn't it, emotionally, when brethren hurt you. But here he says in this text, who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? And then he goes on and he answers it this way, rhetorically. He says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And those are all bad things that could, could affect us physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Can any of those things separate us from the love of Christ? And the answer is no, they, they cannot. He says in verse 37 that we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. That regardless of what problems that we're dealing with, we can be a conqueror. We can be an overcomer because you cannot be separated from the love of Christ. And then he says in verses 38 and 39, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have a promise that God will love us unconditionally. And to that we can say amen. What a wonderful promise. And so I don't know what you're going through, what, what emotional problem, what issue that you're dealing with, maybe relationally or whatever it may be. But we have this promise here that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. We have that assurance. And then we have the assurance of God's forgiveness. You know, when you read the Psalms, how many times that David, especially after his sin with Bathsheba, we have a, there's a couple of Psalms we've already gone through that you see David just pouring his heart out to God because of this sin and how it affected him. I mean, David was depressed. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind when he, he talks about it. it affected him mentally, emotionally, physically even, he talks about it in the Psalms. And yet, David could then rejoice because God restored to him the joy of his salvation and he had God's forgiveness. The prophet Isaiah speaks of this. He says, Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and our God for he will abundantly pardon. There's not anything that you can do to separate yourself from God that God won't forgive if you will come back to Him and repent of that and make that right with Him. God will abundantly pardon. Don't be depressed over sin. Make it right with God and He will forgive you. And then we have the assurance of the Lord's care as we deal with the various frustrations that we all face in life. Again, in the book of Isaiah, this time chapter 41 and verse 10, God says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So as you deal with frustrations in life and things that are troubling in life and things that are depressing in life, we have the assurance of the Lord's care. That's amen. We can say amen to that. And then we have the assurance of the Lord's help as we deal with anxiety. There, there are things that are legitimate in life that we might want to be anxious about. 
and that we have a right to certainly be prudent about as we approach them and to deal with them. And yet here's what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4. He said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I would admit to you that's a little easier said than done. Isn't it? I mean, aren't there things... That all of us, if we admit it, find ourselves beginning to get a little bit anxious about. I mean, different changes in life that we just deal with. A- aging in life. or Well, whatever it is, there's just, just a myriad of things that we all deal with at different stages of our life. Raising children can cause some anxiety, huh, parents? There's just a lot of things that can make us anxious. And yet we do not have to fret with that and stew in that and get down and depressed that we can pray about that and talk to God about it and make our request known to God and we can find the peace of God which does indeed surpass understanding. That is an amen point. God's help in anxiety. And then we have God's guidance. God will guide us and help us sometimes as we try to figure out what's the right route, what's the right way, what's the right decision. The wise man said in the book of Proverbs in chapter 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. That, that, that is amen. That's yes, that is an affirmative that we can trust God and He will direct our paths. We have an assurance of God's guidance and then we have the assurance that the Lord answers prayer. God cares and God hears and God answers. The psalmist again in Psalm 40 said, I waited patiently for the Lord and He he inclined to me and He heard my cry and He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and He set my feet upon a rock and He established my steps. So whatever it was, and there's a number of things in David's life this could be talking about, that David felt like he was in the pit of despair. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in the pit of despair? What did David do about it? He said, I cried to God. And God heard my cry. And He brought me up out of this pit. What a wonderful promise. What wonderful assurance. And so we can rest in the promises of God. And know that the promises of God are sure and amen. We can claim the promises of God. But then secondly, we need to reclaim the presence of God. Now, regardless of what we think God is there, all right, and the Bible teaches of God's presence. I again go to Psalm 34. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and saves such as have a contrite spirit. The Bible tells us God's there. You have a broken heart? You've you got a case of the blues? You got, you, you're dealing with some depression, some emotional issues, that God is near. He especially cares for those that have the broken heart. James put it this way. He said, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. You know what the problem is sometimes for some Christians? That when we get discouraged, then we neglect to pray. We fail to read our Bibles. We become sporadic in our attendance. We lack fellowship with other Christians. And you know what this will do to you? This will cause you to drift away from God. You won't go, draw closer to God because of that. When we're despondent, 
we need to seek God's presence. And if you're in the audience this morning and you secretly say within yourself, you know, Ken, I'll just be honest, I don't feel that close to the Lord right now. Then let me ask you a question. Who's moved? Who's, Who's moved? Is it God? Is God moved? No, God's still there. And so if you don't feel close to the Lord, you've moved somehow in some way, either intentionally or unintentionally, but but you're the one that has moved. He's been there all along. And so you need to reclaim His presence in your life, seek Him and ask for forgiveness for your neglect and lethargy and find cleansing by walking in the light again. There's an Old Testament example. When King Asa of Judah sought to be, bring reform to the nation of Israel, the prophet came in Second Chronicles 29 and verses 1 and 2. It said, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Azariah, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa. And he said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now, I know that's an Old Testament issue. I think the principle is still valid. I believe the principle is still true today. That the Lord will be with us when we're with him. Sometimes I, people pray, usually the assembly, Lord be with us as we depart to this place. Lord be with us. Well, that's good. That's nothing wrong with praying that. But maybe it'd be good to sometimes pray, Lord, may we be with you. Because the Lord is not going to be with us if we're not with Him. That's what it says. The Lord is with you while you're with Him. If you seek Him, He's going to be found. But when we're not with the Lord, and we go out Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday of our lives, and we're forsaking the Lord, not living for the Lord, and being what the Lord would have us to be, can we expect to feel close to Him? No, not at all. And so you want to get out of this despondency that you may be in, this funk that you're in in your life, this case of the blues, you need to reclaim the presence of God. And then you need to proclaim the power of God. Now, there's all kinds of power in the world today, and we're impressed by it. Some people are impressed by cars with lots of horsepower. They go faster and quicker. Have you ever been to Niagara Falls? Isn't that impressive? I mean, the volume of water that comes over the falls and how powerful that is. I read that the amount of electricity powered by the falls is 4.9 million kilowatts, and there's enough power in the water coming over Niagara Falls to power 3. million homes. That's a lot of power, isn't it? Or we think about atomic power. We have nuclear power. Nuclear power can be used for good, but you know in the hands of a rogue nation like North Korea, we fear the effects of nuclear-powered missiles that they say can hit the United States. And that's a lot of power, isn't it? But there's something more powerful. And all of these examples of power lumped together. Nothing can compare with the power of God. Think about Genesis 1. That in the beginning God said, Let there be light. And there was light. In each day of creation, 
God spoke it into existence. And a Hebrew writer would affirm this in Hebrews 11, that out of nothing, by the Word of God, the worlds were framed. Nothing? Yeah. Nothing. That's power, isn't it? To make something out of nothing? Have you been impressed as you've read through the Psalms so far of all the ways in which the psalmist talks about the power of God and gives tribute to the power of God? Isaiah talks about it. He said he gives power to the weak and to those that have no might. He increases strength even when the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But to those that wait on the Lord, He shall renew their strength and they shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and they shall not faint. What great power God has. In Psalm 147 and verse 5, he said, Great is our Lord and mighty in power, and His understanding is infinite. Or Psalm 66 and 3, he said, How awesome are your works through the greatness of your power. I use in my pulpit preaching, and most of my study, the, the New King James Version. And so I just typed in the word awesome, my Bible program. The word awesome is used quite a few times in the Psalms. Have you noticed it? God is awesome. Now, I probably have gotten on this soapbox before here. You know where I'm going, that's it. I think we overuse the word awesome today. That everything is awesome. I went into a restaurant the other day and ordered something, and, and the waitress said, awesome. I looked again at what I ordered. I just thought it was a, a meal. But she thought it was awesome. I, I, and I know that's just a kind of an expression that people use today. But you know, when I hear the word awesome, I think of God. God is awesome. The psalmist said, holy and awesome is His name. Now, the old King James Version used the word reverend. They're holy and reverend is His name. I always tell people that's why I don't call myself reverend. God's only reverend. I'm not reverend. Ken's not awesome. God is awesome. He is. Because He is awesome in His power and awesome in His works. How about Ephesians 3, 20 and 21? We're talking about power. Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The power, he, he says here, Paul says, can work in us. You mean the power of God can work in me? Yeah. You remember our beginning verse in Peter about the great and precious promises? And in that, we can be betakers of the divine nature? That as a Christian, in my relationship with the Lord, that I can tap in to that power. And that comes about by faith. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith when we appropriate the power of God through faith in Him, He will enable us to overcome every challenge, to defeat every enemy, and to beat the blues that sap our strength and that rob us of vitality and weaken our spiritual resolve. We've already noted when we pray to God, God hears and God cares and God answers. And it is His power that is behind the prayer. And then when we get into the Word of God, as we've been doing this morning, what do we find? We find the power that ennobles us to be stronger and to rise above our circumstances. 
we can do that. The Word of God, the Hebrew writer said, is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing, eat, and bind his soul and spirit and joints and morals and discern of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Our faith in Him, our faith in the faith, will lead us to that. And then finally, I would suggest, you want to beat the blues? Then exclaim the praises of God. Too often people suffer from melancholy because they fail to adequately praise the Lord. In Psalm 67 and verse 3, he said, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And then if you come down to verse 7, it says in that chapter, The Lord will bless us. And I believe the more that we offer praise to Him, the more the Lord will bless us. Another thing I've noticed in reading the Psalms lately, how many times do we have expressions, praise the Lord? Over and over and over again, the psalmist talks about praise for the Lord. In Psalm 34 is one, and there, there, there's many that we could talk about. He said in verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. And then drop down to verse 8. He said, Oh, taste the Lord and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. And then in verse 12, He said, Who is the man who desires life and loves many good days that he may say good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Because the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and His ears are open to their prayers. The face of the Lord is against them to do evil. And then He says in verse 18, The Lord is near to those that have a broken heart and saves such that has a contrite spirit. Wow, those are reasons to praise the Lord, aren't they? Praise the Lord. And so how do you beat the blues? Will you claim the promises of God and reclaim the presence of God in your life? Proclaim the power of God and exclaim the praises of God. I appreciate Richard leading the song, Sing and Be Happy. We sing that song and it's got such an upbeat, positive melody to it. But listen to the words and think about the words and the, and the, the lesson that the songwriter is teaching he said, if the skies above you are gray, you are feeling so blue. If your cares and your burdens seem great all the whole day through, he said, there's a silver lining that shines in the heavenly land. Look by faith, which is what we've been trying to do this morning, isn't it? And see it, my friend. Trust in His promises. Grand. Often we're troubled and tried and sick with sorrow and pain and Others are living in sin and they're blessed with earthly gain. But take new courage. We cannot tell what the morrow may bring. When the dark clouds vanish away, then your heart truly can sing. And then he says, often we fail to see the rainbow up in heaven's fair sky when it seems the fortunes of earth frown and pass us by. There are things we know that are worth more than silver and gold. We hope and trust them each day. We shall have pleasure untold. And then the chorus tells us to sing and to be happy today. Press on to the goal. Trust Him who leadeth the way. He is keeping your soul. Let the world know where you belong. Look to Jesus and pray. Lift your voice and praise Him in song. Sing and be happy today. 
anytime I look at a song and mention it, I try to find out something about the songwriter. The songwriter is Emery S. Peck. And he's from a, he was from a small town in Georgia. He was born in the late 1800s. And in 1940, he wrote this song. I think I read he was 47 years old when he wrote this song. So I tried to find out what was behind this song. And no one knows. Some speculate that he was going through some tough times and this was his way of dealing with it. And, and that may be so. And I, I got to thinking about when this man lived. He lived as a young man through World War I. And through the Great Depression, didn't he? And in 1940, we were on the brink of World War II. It was tough times in America. There was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of uncertainty in our country. Could that have been on his mind? I, I, I don't know. But whatever it was, then the writer tells us to look to the Lord to beat the blues and to exclaim His praises with God's help you can beat the blues several years ago I was driving somewhere and I was listening to Larry King when he used to have a radio program some young people say who's Larry King well anyway he's quite a well-known personality for many years both on TV and radio but he was a great interviewer he was so good with interviewing people and drawing people out and it so happened that that evening as I was driving, he was interviewing a man by the name of Rich DeVos. Uh, that may, name may mean nothing to most of you, but Rich DeVos owns the Orlando Magic basketball team. And he was a co-founder of the giant Amway Corporation, the multi-level uh, sales corporation. And uh, he's a multi-billionaire, one of the top 400 richest men in America uh, today. He's like 90 years old. And he was interviewing DeVos this a number of years ago. And DeVos was known for his upbeat personality, his positive attitude. And he asked him, King asked DeVos, he said, uh, Rich, do you ever get down? And Rich said, well, sure, everybody gets down sometimes. And he said, well, well tell our listeners, what do you do when you get down? And I'll never forget this. Rich says, I get up. <laughs> I get up. I thought, what a great answer. Get up. Now, I would add to Rich's observation, with the Lord's help, you can get up. You may have trouble getting up on your own. But if you apply the things we've been talking about, get up. Don't wallow in self-pity. Don't wallow in despondency. Don't look at the negative side of what's going on in life. Claim those promises of God. Tap into the power of God. Seek the presence of God. Exclaim the praise of God. And you can beat the blues. I hope the lesson this morning has had a practical benefit for each one of us that's here today. We're going to sing a song now called Bring Christ Your Broken Life. And I thought that might be an appropriate way to end our study this morning because it could be as you sit here and you say, Phew, Ken, you just don't know what I'm dealing with. I, I've got a lot of problems. And they're not just going to be solved by singing a song. <laughs> and I know sometimes we can get our lives in such a messed up, twisted up mess that it's hard to unravel it all. So where you need to start is bring Christ your broken life. If you're not a Christian, would you do that this morning? Through faith and repentance and baptism, just bring it to Calvary. Just bring it to the cross. And let His blood cleanse of your sin and begin to walk the way that we've talked about this morning. Then you can begin to unravel some of those problems. Maybe you're a Christian and you've done that and you've wandered away. And 
Maybe you haven't trusted God like you said. You haven't claimed the promises of God. There may be some things privately you need to deal with, but maybe you seek our prayers and our help and a shoulder to lean on and for us to help bear your burdens. We would welcome you to come and let us lift you in prayer and let us help you bring Christ your broken life. He can mend it. He can heal it. He can make you whole. He can raise you out of the miry pit. Would you come to him while together we stand and while we sing?